This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's January the 8th, 2024. The NFL playoff field is set after the games yesterday. Uh, We'll talk about all that coming up in a minute. Um, It is a chilly day. The good news is I am not uh, up in the Northeast. I know uh, those of you that listen to the show up uh, in New England uh, got hit with a snowstorm over the weekend, and uh, I'm sorry. I and I I talked to my sister who lives up in Connecticut over the weekend and I tried not to sound uh too much filled with glee but uh I think a a couple of laughs might have actually come out of my mouth but uh I hope you all are digging out everybody is safe up there and uh welcome to our show here on a Monday morning. Um hey some great news. We might uh we are getting dangerously close down here to having uh real internet uh, my, my utility company came out yesterday and they actually laid out the flags for the route that the fiber optic cable is going to take to come into my house. So I, I don't know if it's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to happen next week. Uh, I just know that we are uh, we are closer than we have been since the, the two plus years that we've been down here. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. If that happens, it'll be great. Uh, we'll have more control over the station. We can go back to doing the video portion of the show on uh our show's on in the morning. I'm not sure why anybody liked that, but a lot of people on Facebook used to tune in while watching the videos, so we will uh, uh, we'll get back to that once we have internet, so I'll keep you posted on that. Um, today is known as Black Monday around the NFL. It is the day that teams start making decisions based on how um, their season finished, who's going to stay, who's going to go. We've already had uh, a couple of uh, axes fall. The first one fell last night. Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, was fired after his third consecutive 7-10 and season. And um, this came just a few hours after they had lost to the New Orleans Saints 48-17. to They came in still with an outside chance at the playoffs. They were going to need help. When Tampa won, it didn't matter. However, I think, you know, look, Smith, the game yesterday, it was so funny. I was watching the Tampa game. Uh, against Carolina, and it was uh, – I'd rather watch paint dry than watch that game again. The final score was 9 nothing. We'll get to it in a little while, but it was just a gross game. Tampa wins the game, but it was brutal. So I turned on the New Orleans-Atlanta game just to see what was happening. It was tied 17-17. Well, that, Atlanta never scored again, and uh, New Orleans absolutely blew them out, beat them 48-17. to uh, They finished up the season – uh, in brutal fashion. I mean, a week ago they lost uh, at Chicago, thirty-seven to seventeen. So it wasn't just that they went seven and ten. It's just that things kind of went south. And look, 
the problem that the Falcons have, you know, and look, they have, uh, you know, they have some players to build around. Uh, Bijan Robinson, you know, gr- a great player, um, but they don't have quarterback play. Desmond Ritter, their quarterback this year, was awful. He had 12 touchdown passes this season, 12 interceptions, and get this, 12 fumbles. Well, I don't care who you are. The fact that they won seven games with those kind of numbers is nothing short of a miracle. They played Taylor, Taylor Heineke for a while. He wasn't any better. It just was just terrible. And last year they tried to play with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback again. You know, they just never got good quarterback play. And when Matt Ryan left the Falcons a few years ago, ended up going up to Indianapolis, but Matt Ryan had been their quarterback for years, and they haven't been able to find that franchise quarterback again. Now, there's some quarterbacks in the draft this year. Uh, They'll have decent draft position. I would be shocked. If a quarterback isn't their first or second pick, it may not be their first pick, but it better be their second pick because Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke are not the answer uh, in Atlanta, and Arthur uh, Smith is out. He's 41 years old. Look, he was a longtime uh, assistant with Tennessee. I think he was there for like 10 years, became their offensive coordinator. He's going to get another job. He may not get a head coaching job right away, but he is going to get um, another position somewhere. Um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, there were a lot of Falcons fans that questioned a lot of his decision-making this year, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if your quarterback, uh, is responsible for 24 turnovers between fumbles and interceptions during the course of a season, you aren't, you're not going to win period the end. So, uh, the Add the Atlanta Falcons to teams that are now looking for a head coach, and you know this was not a surprise. This you know this has been talked about for weeks, uh, and then just about an hour ago, the Washington Commanders fired Ron Rivera, who had been there for four seasons. Uh, of course, they made the playoffs the first year. I think Rivera was there uh, in uh, 2020. They were doing out. They weren't very good. It was that awful. That was the year the NFC East was awful. They won. I think they they won the division with a seven and nine record, right? Uh, but they've just never been able to put it together. Um, of course, he was a longtime coach with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, took him to the Super Bowl in uh, 2015, back when Cam Newton could actually play. Um, but uh, his tenure with the Washington Commanders is over. Uh, and his career record, he's 62 years old. Remember, he was he's a cancer survivor and, you know, great story. Uh, he's got a 500 record as a head coach, 102, 102, and two ties. Um, this commander's job, you know, when Daniel Snyder was there, you'd have a hard time finding somebody that actually wanted to work for Daniel Snyder. But it's a new regime there. And uh, Josh Harris, the new owner, um, I think it's it's going to be an attractive job. I really do. I think that, uh, uh, look, they've got some building blocks. They've got uh, a potential top three draft pick. I think they're going to draft third or fourth. I can't remember which. But uh, they are going to be have a high draft pick. They're, I think they are going to draft either be just before or just after the Patriots. 
Um, so they've got an opportunity there to target a guy that could be their franchise quarterback. Um, so we'll see, you know, what direction they want to go. Bill Belichick uh, is going to be meeting with uh, Robert Kraft and, uh, this week, and we'll see what happens with him. His name has been rumored to be a possibility for Washington if he is indeed let go by the Patriots. Uh, I'm still not convinced that's going to happen. If you listen to what Bill Belichick had to say after the game yesterday, um, he's not sounding like a guy who thinks he's done. Now, he met with the media first thing this morning, and he said to them, you know, everybody wants to know, what are you doing? And he said, I'm under contract. So he said, as far as any decisions or direction for next year, it's too early for that. You know, he said, uh, and and he hasn't indicated when he and Robert Kraft are going to meet, but this could drag on for a little while. Uh, But, you know, and he was asked this morning if he would consider giving up running the personnel decisions for the team, if he would give those uh, duties up so that he could just concentrate on coaching And he said, I'm for whatever we decide collectively is the best for our football team. So that's not saying no. You know, and I've always questioned whether Belichick's ego will allow him to say, I've failed at this and I'm just going to be the head coach and I'll turn the GM duties over to somebody else. We'll see. But I think if he wants to keep his job, that's what he's going to have to do. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, you know, look, I, I, I think that as a coach, he's as good as they come. But I think as a GM, he's one of the worst in the league. All of the success that the Patriots have had over the years, that long dynasty they had, and you can say whether it was Brady, Belichick, we can go on. It, but it wasn't just Tom Brady. It was they had the, the, the personnel that they had around Tom Brady through his entire career in New England was impressive. But all of those decisions or most of those decisions and when that dynasty was built was built when somebody else was making the personnel decisions, a guy like Scott Pioli. That's when the Patriots were dominant. After Belichick took over the personnel running in that team it, it has been spotty uh, he has made some bad draft decisions uh, we have seen the, the tenure of uh, Patriots players become shorter and shorter where he is less and less likely to re-sign guys that uh, that they've either drafted or signed as free agents because he's made bad decisions so time will tell, but he's at least this morning when he was talking to the media, he didn't sound like he was against the idea. So we'll see. Uh, the Carolina Panthers, they're going to be looking for a coach. They're also going to be looking for a general manager. They fired their GM this morning. Uh, so the, uh, the bloodbath has begun around the NFL. Uh, where else could there be problems? Uh, you know... You wonder if Matt Eberflus is in trouble in Chicago. Um, you know, I think they're going to have to make a decision 
uh, what they want to do about their quarterback. But I think that they have they're going to have to if they're going to have to pick their coach around who their quarterback is and who they think can get the most. If they decide they're going to keep uh, Fields, they're going to have to decide whether Eberflus is the guy to get the most out of him. Around. Maybe another coach um, would be the better way to go there. I, I think they have to make that decision first. Uh, I think the New Orleans job could be open. Uh, we don't know what Vegas is going to do. Uh, Antonio Pierce did a good job as the interim coach, right? They went 5-4 and four after he took over for McDaniels after he got fired. So uh, we'll see if uh, that job is indeed open. But uh, it's begun. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm sure we're going to, to hear more uh, coming up uh, in the next 24 hours. I just – the one thing I hope, by the way, with, with uh, the, the decision on Belichick, whatever it is, let's just make the decision – now or quickly so that we can move on. I do, I do not want to be inundated with this stuff for days and days and days on end because, God, we know how the New England media is. The Boston Globe will beat this to ever-living death. So I hope Robert Kraft, if it's going to be yay, we're keeping them, or nay, we're getting rid of them, let's get it done in the next couple of days. Please, I'm begging you. So uh, we shall see. Anyway, the playoffs are set. Um, we already knew that the 49ers were going to be the number one team in the NFC. They're going to have the bye week. We already knew that the Ravens had the number one seed in the AFC. They've got the bye week coming up. The question was, how's it all going to shake out after that? Well, how about the Pittsburgh Steelers sneaking into the playoffs? Now, you know, you can call it a gift if you want to. Because, in a way, it was. Uh, the Steelers get into the playoffs because they beat the Ravens 17-10. to Now, you can't get too carried away about it because that Ravens team played nobody. Pittsburgh wins the game 17-10. to But, you know, look, Lamar Jackson didn't play. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play. Uh, Zay Flowers, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, a lot of big names on that Baltimore roster did not play because they didn't need to. You can't run the risk of getting one of those guys hurt uh, going into the playoffs when you are the number one seed. So, you know, the Steelers got the benefit of a B-team Ravens. Now, as Dan Zampano pointed out on our show last Friday, you know, a lot of the guys on that B-team – if you want to call it that, for the Ravens, are guys that play every week anyway. So he actually kind of felt that the Ravens had an advantage and they were still going to win the game despite uh, not having their quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. Well, didn't happen. Uh, look, give Mason Rudolph a lot of credit. Uh, went 18 for 20, 152 yards and a touchdown. Um, uh, Najee Harris ran for 112 yards and a touchdown. They did just enough. Was it overwhelming? Absolutely not. But for a Steeler team that looked like they were going to be dead in the water a few weeks ago, there was a great turnaround for Pittsburgh to get into the playoffs. Uh, 10-7, and seven, people had been calling for Mike Tomlin's job in Pittsburgh, which was amazing to me. Um, but uh, they're in. 
Now, how they'll do, <laughs> good luck. I mean, they've got – it means they have to go play at Buffalo <laughs> next week. Now, I guess the good news is if you're Pittsburgh, you – you know, this time of year, you're not exactly playing in warm weather in Pittsburgh. We know in Buffalo it's going to be colder than hell. Probably could be snowing up there. So it's two cold weather teas taking, uh, you know, teeing off against each other. Um, but you, you got to think, big advantage to the Bills here. I expect the Bills will be uh, will be big favorites in this one. But good for the Steelers, you know. And uh, what does this mean now with Rudolph leading this team into the playoffs? Is Kenny Pickett now done um, in Pittsburgh, you know, he got hurt, but he wasn't playing well before he got hurt. Uh, you really have to wonder what they're going to do in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, again, you know, we'll, we'll see, but Mason Rudolph also is not the answer. Yeah. Okay. He did a nice job navigating the schedule down the stretch and, uh, they won a couple of games that were big, but, uh, you know, again, they're not going to. They made the playoffs, so they're going to draft in the you know, lower third of the first round. So we'll have to see if you know if there's a, if there's another quarterback available, will they move on from Kenny Pickett? That'll be uh, something to watch in the offseason. But in the meantime, they make the playoffs and, and good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the other game on Saturday, the Houston Texans secure their playoff spot by beating the Indianapolis Colts 23-19. to Look, going into the season, there were a lot of people that thought that the Houston Texans might end up being one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think what people didn't count on was that C.J. Stroud was going to be as good as he has been. Even Dan Zapano, who's on our show every week and, as I've said many times, probably has forgotten more about football than I ever knew. Uh, even he said that he was wrong. He did not think that C.J. Stroud um, was going to be anywhere near as good as he has been. Well, C.J. Stroud on Saturday, uh, 20 of 26, 264 yards, Two touchdowns. Devin Singletary with a late touchdown with 6.20 to go. Broke a 17-17 tie. And uh, they end up winning the game 23-17. to They get, go into the playoffs. Um, and Indianapolis gets eliminated. Uh, they have not made the postseason now since 2020. But, look, you knew when Anthony Richardson, their starting quarterback, got hurt and was going to be out for the season, and you had to turn to Gardner Minshew uh, that this Indianapolis team was in trouble. I felt badly for Indianapolis at the, at the end of this game. Look, they were moving. They were down to the Houston 15-yard line with a minute to go. So Indianapolis still had a chance to win this game. They had a fourth and one on the Houston 15, 106 on the clock. Minshew drops back. They throw a pass to Tyler Goodson beyond the first down marker. He was all alone. If he catches it, it's first down uh, and probably goal to go, and he dropped it. Now, it wasn't the best pass for Minshew. He threw it a little bit behind Goodson, so he had to kind of reach back to catch it, but it was a ball that you have got to catch. And the kid, Goodson, was in tears after the game. 
Uh, I felt badly for him. I mean, it could have been, you know, it was that close. It was that close. So now the Houston Texans are in, and not only are they in, a team that everybody thought was going to stink, not only are they in, they get a home game in the first round of the playoffs. They will host the Cleveland Browns uh, in the first round of the playoffs next weekend. That is just it's unbelievable. unbelievable. So it'll be the grizzled veteran in uh, Joe Flacco who took this week off against the young kid C.J. Stroud. <laughs> you know what? And think about this. Joe Flacco, a former Super Bowl MVP, right, in 2013. When Joe Flacco was the Super Bowl MVP, C.J. Stroud was 11 years old. <laughs> think about that for a minute. 11 years old. <laughs> so um, uh, <laughs> that'll be quite the generational battle there. But good for the Houston Texans, and uh, that's fun to see. Look, the other playoff games coming up. Um, so uh, the, the Ravens get the bye, and the Buffalo Bills, as I said, uh, will host the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Texans, the fourth seed, get the Browns, and then it'll be the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs win this week. We're not going to talk a lot about the game. They win 13-12. to 12. They didn't play anybody either. I mean, everybody, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and everybody on the sideline in street clothes, they still beat the Chargers 13-12. to 12. It tells you how bad a year it's been for the Chargers, uh, who fired their coach earlier. But the Bills last night beat the Dolphins 21-14 to 14 on the Sunday night game. And so the Bills end up winning the AFC East. Think about this. The Bills in the middle of November were 5-5. Five and five. They had just lost a game against the, the horrible Denver Broncos. They fire their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. From that point on, they won six of seven games, including five in a row, to end up winning the division. I mean, what a talk about maybe the best the best firing of the year may have been when Buffalo fired Ken Dorsey. I know that's terrible to say, but I mean, uh, and look, I don't want to say Buffalo got lucky last night, but in a way they did. Think about this. Look, their quarterback Josh Allen Turned the ball over three times in Miami territory. Two interceptions in the end zone and a fumble. Right? You you have no business winning that game. None. But you get a 96-yard punt return a minute into the fourth quarter to tie the game up at 14. And then Dawson Knox catches a five-yard pass from Josh Allen with 7-16 left, and Buffalo ends up winning this game. Miami, uh, not great last night. Touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, the The only bright side, I guess, Miami ran the ball fairly well. A chain was pretty good, scored a touchdown. Tyree Kill, 82 yards receiving. But the Miami offense just sputtered. They did not show that dynamic... Uh, playmaking ability that we have seen time after time after time. So uh, what a great job by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, As I said, they end up winning the division uh, by beating the Dolphins last night. And the Dolphins, once again, look, I look, I know they've had a hell of a year, right? And, but 
they finish 11 and 6 in the regular season and but when you look at their results during the course of the year the dolphins inability to consistently be able to beat good teams is just brutal i mean look let's let's break it down for a minute quality wins for the miami dolphins when you look at their schedule where were their quality wins um i can give you one Seriously, one quality win all year. They beat the Dallas Cowboys back uh, on Christmas Eve 22-20. to But any other time that this Dolphins team has played a team that's 500 or around 500, they get their ass kicked. I mean, you know, Buffalo beat them yesterday. It was a seven-point game. But earlier in the season at Buffalo, they lost 48-20. to Right? They scored 70 points against Denver. Big deal. They beat the Chargers. Big deal. They beat the Patriots. Twice. Who cares? You go to play the Philadelphia Eagles, you get thumped. You play the Chiefs, you get beat. Right? So anybody was – the Baltimore Ravens absolutely embarrassed them back on New Year's Eve, 56-19. So this – Dan Zampano had a, a thing on his uh, weekly power ratings – where he was talking about frauds. The Miami Dolphins have been the biggest frauds all season. And I don't care how many yards Tua threw for this year, which, by the way, was 4,624. He finished the season with the most yards passing in the NFL. I don't care. This team has no guts. I don't care how fast they are. I don't care how good their receivers are. I don't care about any of that. They can't beat a good team. And I fully expect when they go to play at Kansas City, and look, Kansas City has not been great this year. Right? They haven't been. Patrick Mahomes has been inconsistent. But Kansas City beat Miami back uh, the first week of November. I think it was 21-14. to 14. I fully expect in this one, because Kansas City's been playing better, Miami has not. I fully expect... Kansas City to absolutely roll the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs because they are the definition of fraud. 32 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on any Monday morning. So we've gone through uh, what happened in the AFC. The NFC playoffs, uh, as I said, the 49ers get the bye Uh, They end up losing yesterday uh, to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, with that win, end up getting the number six seed in the division. But, again, uh, the 49ers didn't play anybody, nor should they, right? Uh, You know, Brock Purdy sitting on the sidelines, Christian McCaffrey not playing. Uh, But can you blame the 49ers, especially, you know, with all the injuries that they have had over the years? They were going to take no chances with this one. Uh, So Sam Darnold uh, plays quarterback for the 49ers, and uh, the Rams win it by a final of 21 
to 20. Look, the Rams were already in the playoffs. It was just a question uh, of seeding. So, you know, the Rams took it easy as well. Carson Wentz played quarterback for the Rams, went 17 of 24 with a couple of touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Sam Darnold was, you know, look, he was he did his thing. But um, uh, Wentz with a 12-yard run with five minutes left in the game give gives the Rams the victory and the number six seed. Um, so the Rams now, as the sixth seed, get to play at the Detroit Lions. And this is going – this might be the most compelling game of at least the first round of the playoffs, right? Because now Matthew Stafford, who was traded for Lions starting quarterback Jared Goff, gets to return to his old – stomping grounds in Detroit, and the two guys that were traded for each other will face off in the playoffs. How cool is that? Uh, you know, and, you know, Goff, it, it, look, it's worked out for both teams. I mean, there's no question about that, right? I mean, um, Goff has, has been a big part of the reason why the Lions – have been successful. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for this game. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, it's going to be a Sunday night game, by the way. It is the fifth of the six wild card games. We're actually going to have a wild card game on Monday this year, too. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday for the NFL playoffs uh, last week. The number two seed... The Dallas Cowboys, they beat the the ever-living crap out of the Washington Commanders yesterday, as everybody expected. The This is, well, again, I, I, a fascinating game, yes, um, and simply because Jordan Love got the Green Bay Packers into the playoffs yesterday by beating the Chicago Bears 17-9. Was it a thing of beauty? Absolutely not. But Jordan Love leads the youngest team in the NFL. I mean, look, <laughs> these guys, they're like he's throwing to guys that are all rookies or second-year players. And somehow he got this team into the playoffs, something uh, that Aaron Rodgers couldn't do last year. He threw for 316 yards yesterday, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions, only got sacked once. Aaron Jones runs for 111 yards, um, and they're in. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. They had the win to get in. Uh, it's the 10th straight time that they have beaten the Bears, uh, and they were in this position last year. They had to win their last game. They had to beat the Detroit Lions to get in, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't do it. And this Packers team, you know, look, they're 9-8, and eight, right? They finished 9 and eight. They were 2-5 and five and won seven of the last ten games, including the last three, to get into the playoffs. So uh, what a great accomplishment for Jordan Love. And this kid just got better 
and better and better. And I remember earlier in the season, and I we, we brought the, we brought it up on the show many times, and Zapato said, pump the brakes. You know, everybody's expecting too much out of this kid. Um, and he's going to get better. Yeah, in his last eight games, he got better all right. His last eight games, 18 touchdown passes, one interception. 18 to 1. I don't care who you are. That's a hell of a job. So the Green Bay Packers, uh, look, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, that is a very, very good Dallas Cowboys team. Um, you know, but 18 touchdown passes to one interception. You get quarterback play like that, I'm not counting Jordan Love and the and the boys out at all. Um. The sleeper game of the week. Oh, my God. And I mentioned this earlier. Watching that Buccaneers-Carolina Panthers game was brutal. Um, Baker Mayfield was not healthy. He, he injured his ankle. Uh, ends up going 20 for 30, 237 yards. Wasn't very good. Uh, fortunately, they were able to run the ball a little bit. But it was Chase McLaughlin, three field goals. <laughs> three field goals. Oh my God! It was six nothing at the half. Ends up nine nothing, and uh, the Bucks and Baker Mayfield literally limp into the playoffs. Now they're a division champ, right? Uh, so they will actually get a home game. They will play at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, who lose on the final game of the season to the New York Giants. 27 to 10. Now, I am going to say this, and I don't think, uh, and I am no genius by saying this. I think everybody agrees. The Eagles have backed into the playoffs as the five seed. If they lose to the Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs, uh, their head coach, Nick Sirianni, will be fired before they get on the plane. And even if they win that game, unless they make some kind of miraculous run and this team figures out what in the hell is wrong and get some injured players back and are able to compete and get make a run to the Super Bowl, and I think it highly unlikely. And it's, what's funny about it is we were talking about they were, you know, uh, one of the contenders we thought they were one of the probably two or three best players in the or teams in the NFL at one point this season it has been an absolute nightmare for the Philadelphia Eagles going down the stretch you know and losing to the Giants yesterday was just embarrassing right uh with Tyrod Taylor and uh Tommy DeVito uh going a combined 25 for 34 for over 300 yards and, uh, you know, just embarrassing. So Sirianni may be in trouble anyway, but the Philadelphia Eagles lose five of their last six games. Now, you know, look, they had a couple of tough ones in there, obviously with San Francisco and Dallas. Okay, you can forgive them, but losing to the Seattle Seahawks, losing to the Giants – I mean, at, after the only win they had, they beat the Giants on Christmas Day, and then two weeks later, after beating them 33-25, to 25, you lose by 17? Losing to the Cardinals? I mean, come on. Um, now, you know, look, uh, there were some, maybe some extenuating circumstances a little bit yesterday. Jalen Hurts hurts his finger. 
Uh, Marcus Mariota has to come in and play. Uh, they better hope that Jalen Hurts' finger uh, is uh, okay and he is able to play. Uh, they beat Tampa earlier in the season, beat him 25-11, to 11, but that was back in September, back when the Eagles had a clue. And right now, they are searching. So that was a, uh, a brutal loss for them yesterday. Um, the Jaguars had a chance to get in, by the way, in the AFC. The Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, with a win, could have uh, won the division title. They end up losing to Tennessee 28-20. to uh, Trevor Lawrence throws for 280 yards, but most importantly, he got stopped on a play down at the goal line where he tried to stretch the ball across. He actually audibled and called his own number. He had gotten a different play from the sideline, made a decision to try to take it in himself, got stopped, and uh, the Titans end up winning this game 28-20. to And, uh, look, they mismanaged Trevor Lawrence all season. He was banged up all year. Uh, the shoulder has been a problem, uh, and uh, they just uh, – they just couldn't couldn't get it together. He was never right. Travis Etienne uh, struggled to run the football, uh, averaged less than four yards of carry in a game this week. So just a, a game that they had to have, uh, and they came up very, very small. Ryan Tannehill playing quarterback for the, the uh, Titans, throws a couple of touchdown passes, and they win that game. So uh, 49ers number one, Cowboys host the Packers, Lions host the Rams, and the Buccaneers host the Eagles next week. And I think, look, uh, when you look at these playoff matchups, I think the only road team I would say is going to be favored is going to be the Eagles. I would be shocked if they are not favored against the Buccaneers, despite what has happened with the Eagles. They still have to be favored against the Buccaneers. I could be crazy, but I think uh, I think the Eagles will beat the Bucs. Um, and... You know, I want to say that the Browns will beat the Texans, the number 5-4 game. And Joe Flacco has been a great story. But C.J. Stroud, that young quarterback for the Tennessee, uh, I mean for the uh, Houston Texans, has been a better story. Uh, and if, if I had to put money down, and I don't, I don't bet. But if I was going to, I'd put my money on the Texans. But I, I really do believe I have that, that I'm not, I can't believe in the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, I have to believe that the Eagles are uh, going to win that game. Of course, we'll have Dan Zampano here on Friday to talk about all the playoff matchups and uh, the rest of the firings that happen sometime between now and the end of the week. It is 45 minutes past here. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little baseball because spring training, ladies and gentlemen, just a little over a month away. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. A few minutes left here uh, on a Monday morning. Um, so we're at uh, baseball, and I, I hate to start my baseball talk with uh, some, you know, I don't want to call it sad news. It's just kind of gross news. Uh, Wander Franco, as uh, you remember during the course of uh, last season, was put um, on the suspended list by Major League Baseball after allegations came down of an inappropriate relationship between uh, Franco and a minor in the Dominican Republic. Well, last week, Dominican authorities put out a warrant for Wander Franco's arrest, and nobody could find him. He was, I, you know, I don't want to say he was on the run, but whatever, for whatever reason, uh, they could not find him. He was not at his home. He was not uh, 
anywhere they could locate him, wasn't answering his cell phone, et cetera, et cetera. He eventually turned himself in uh, and uh, was in front of a judge on Friday, and a judge ordered the release of Franco while the investigation for the relationship with a 14-year-old girl uh, continue. Supposedly, uh, Franco paid the girl's mother uh, money every month for her consent for this relationship. Uh, He is accused of sending the mother monthly payments of $1,700 for seven months and buying her a car uh, for, quote, in the, uh, in, this is what's in the, uh, the documents. It says, in order to allow the relationship and to let her go out with him whenever she wanted. Uh, <laughs> supposedly, uh, uh, she was also quoted as saying that uh, she had demanded a local digital media site publish an item about her alleged relationship with the player because she was tired of her mother, who she accused basically of taking Franco's money and not sharing any of it with her. So back in September, the uh, the police had raided the mother's home and they seized uh, about $14,000 uh, and then another $68,000 they found behind, hidden behind a frame. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just gross. What the, so, um, he's been released. He is allowed to leave the Dominican Republic, but he must return once a month to meet with authorities. Um, and he also had to pay, uh, $34,000 as basically, uh, a deposit, I guess on his, uh, I guess it's kind of like a bond, uh, so that he can go out. Look, here's the, here's the deal. He can't play in major league baseball, right? He's been suspended by MLB, uh, he was suspended by his team before MLB ever did anything. Wonder Franco's career is over. And this is a guy who signed an 11-year contract in 2021 for $182 million. Now, at the end of the day, when you look at that, that's not a lot of money in today's standards for what baseball players are getting for a guy who had looked like he was going to end up being one of the superstars in the league, but the Rays were smart. They signed him when he was very young. They signed him for, uh, I guess, the equivalent of what, about uh, uh, $17 million a year. But his salary last year and this year is $2 million a year. He is still getting paid um, because it's considered administrative leave. Until he is basically convicted, he is going to continue to get paid. And the evidence doesn't look good, but... Even in the Dominican Republic, you're innocent until proven guilty. But man, what a what a sad story! What a what a hell of a way uh, uh, for a young man uh, to derail his career. Not just dera- derail his career. Uh, this young man could end up in jail. So I, I hope to hell that doesn't happen. Um, I, I hope this isn't all true. But the evidence doesn't look good for Juan Franco. Uh, Big signing overnight, Teoscar Hernandez, who was supposedly on the radar of the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox had been tied to Hernandez as well as Jorge Soler. Well, last night, Teoscar Hernandez signed a one-year contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Because why not? Because everybody is signing with the Dodgers this year. Um, It's a one-year deal for $23.5 million. Now, what's interesting here is $15 million of that will be paid to Hernandez this year. And then the other 
$8.5 million will be paid, is going to be deferred and be paid out in installments from 2030 to 2039, which will be after he retires. Uh, so this is another kind of like the Shohei Otani contract where he's deferring a lot of his money. They're doing the same thing with Teoscar Hernandez. I wonder if this is going to become more and more common uh, as Major League teams try to stay under that salary cap. But the Dodgers just are signing everybody. And now he joins uh, that Dodger outfield that is going to be really, really good. And it helps them as well because they had already decided they were going to move Mookie Betts permanently from the outfield uh, to second base. So now Hernandez will be uh, an anchor uh, of that outfield, and uh, the Dodgers just continue to roll. Supposedly the Red Sox offered Hernandez and, you know, take the rumors for what they are, but according to a quote-unquote source, uh, the Red Sox had offered Hernandez somewhere around $28 million for two years, so $14 million a year. He got 23 and a half for one uh, from the Dodgers. So um, take that for what you will. Uh, and then after Hernandez signed last night, uh, the latest reports out of Red Sox camp were now that Red Sox are hot on Solaire to try to get him under contract. You know, and uh, I, I don't, you know, this whole full throttle thing that the Red Sox were going to do, we've already talked about how they need pitching, and yet somehow all of a sudden, you know, they trade Chris Sale. There's talk that they may trade Kenley Jansen, their closer. And now there's talk that they may, uh, that they're taking calls on Masa Yoshida, their left fielder. And, you know, I know it's a new regime. I know this is the Craig Breslow era, and maybe this is one of those things he's evaluated and said, you know, we can we can move on from Yoshida, get a better outfielder, uh, and upgrade there, and uh, maybe make up for some of the lack of pitching by having a more robust offense. I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, Vaughn Grissom is still young. He's he's the signs are that he's going to be a very very good hitter. He is going to be an average or just below average fielder. Uh, so they're going to need to hit the crap out of the ball if they don't upgrade this pitching and they don't figure out the defense because both of those things absolutely killed the Red Sox last year. Uh, so we'll see. Um, uh, other news around MLB, Sean Manaya signs with the Mets. Um, a two-year deal for $28 million. Uh, that's a lot of money for uh, Manaya, a guy who has been spotty. He gets $14.5 million this year. $13.5 million next year. Uh, he can opt out at the end of this year if he so chooses. But, look, this is a guy that uh, has been in the league for eight years, right? And uh, his last couple of years haven't been great. You know, he was with the Giants 7-6 uh, and six with a 4-4-4 ERA uh, in a combination of both starts and in the bullpen. He got actually kicked out of the rotation in the middle of May because uh, he was 1-2 and two with an ERA of 8 in his first six starts. Now, he made 25 appearances out of the bullpen, made some starts in mid-September, was decent. So I think, you know, teams are looking at that and saying, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, maybe what the, the late Sean Manaya is, is, is what we're going to get. But this is a guy who has an ERA of over 4 in eight seasons in, in Major League Baseball, and that will get you... $14 million a year. God, it's good to be a professional baseball player, isn't it? Uh, Zach Plesak, a guy that uh, got let go by uh, the Cleveland Indians, uh, signed a contract yesterday with the Los Angeles Angels. It's a one-year 
$1 million contract. This is a show-me contract at the, at the end of the day. Uh, look, he made five starts for Cleveland last year, was 1-1 one one with a 7.59 ERA, designated for assignment in June, outrighted to Columbus. Uh, in Columbus, he was terrible. He had an ERA of six in Columbus, so he couldn't pitch in AAA either. Uh, you know, but in, in between 2019 and 2023, or actually prior to last year, he'd been pretty good. Um, for the Guardians, he actually had an ERA under three, uh, but just things went south last year. Not sure what that's all about, but uh, he just signs a show me contract uh, with the Angels, and you know we know the Angels; they don't spend any money, and they got a bargain uh, here if Plesac can return to the form he had prior to uh, last season. Martin Perez, who pitched last year with the Texas Rangers, of course former Red Sox uh, hurler as well, signs a one-year, eight million dollar deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you a little music from George Strait this morning. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.